Well, I hope you've got your Bible open at Colossians chapter 3. Christians are called to a completely new way of life. And that's what sanctification is all about. Now, we saw last time that justification is the legal declaration of what God has done through Jesus. That stunning verdict, declared righteous. That's justification. That verdict that's available to all who have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And all of it is God's gracious doing. Now, at that same moment, the Bible tells us that something else began. Sanctification. And the Bible describes it in a few ways. Firstly, and quite similar to justification, sanctification is something that God does to Christians at a certain point in time. In other words, it's definitive. Paul explains in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11, he says, You were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. So when someone becomes a Christian for the very first time, God definitively acts to make them holy, sanctified. He sets them apart. That's firstly. But then secondly and crucially, there's a process of sanctification. And that's something that continues throughout the Christian life. God's definitive work in that person's life inspires an ongoing transformative work of God in which Christians are active participants. Christians, we know from the Bible, are called to be holy. Christians are called to live lives that are different, that are set apart. So rooted in our justification, justification by faith alone, and in God's definitive sanctification, Christians are called to grow. They're called to bear fruit. Now, sometimes we can get a little bit foggy about the place of, of good works or living rightly in the Christian life. Hearing the gospel, we know, we know that Christians are the recipients of God's grace, God's amazing rescue. But you see, there's another part to this gospel too. The good news is that as well as declaring us right, saving us by faith in Christ, Christians are united with Christ. And Christ dwelling in us, living in us, will transform us, empower us, and use us. And so the need to do what God says in his word, to live rightly, to bear fruit in response to God's gracious work, in our lives. That's sanctification. Now, the passage from Colossians that Jen read for us a little earlier, well, it helps us to understand sanctification a bit better. You see, it's going to tie together the good news of what God has done for us in the Lord Jesus Christ, the root, and the call to live a new way of life, the fruit. So, this passage from Colossians 3 echoes the invitations from the entire New Testament with three calls here to a new way of life for Christians. So here we'll find in this passage an echo of the entire New Testament, a new way of life. Christians, you have to live like this. Well, the first thing that we need to see here in this passage, the first call is Christians embrace your new status, verses one to four. Christians embrace your new status. Have a look at them. Paul writes, If then you have been raised with Christ, 
Seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. To Christians who were surrounded by false teaching, Paul tells them here to seek and to set their minds on things that are in a different place, are above. In other words, he wants them to invest their hearts and minds, not on earthly things, but with Christ, because that's their new sphere of being. You see, as Christians, they've been raised with Christ, verse 1. They have died, verse 3. Their lives are now hidden with Christ in God. Isn't that amazing? And so that identification with Christ should be absolutely paramount in their thinking and their doing, their acting. Talk about change. This is now all defining. This is a new status, a new identity that demands a completely new way of thinking and a new way of acting and living. Paul says, seek Christ's things. Set your minds on Christ's things, not on all the other stuff. Now, to help us, I, I want you to think about marriage for just a moment. If you think about it, marriage redefines the individuals who, with a solemn vow, pledge everything to each other. They give themselves completely to their husband or wife. And what this union means is that you're completely different now. And for those then who are positionally raised with Christ, as Paul writes here, how will their life be defined differently? Well, we'll look at verse 4. Paul writes, When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Isn't that an amazing status change? You see, for Christians, their lives are now defined not by themselves or anything else on earth, but by Christ. Can you see how this will change everything about your behavior, about your living? You see, in a good marriage, I can't just go off and do what I want to do. I can't live like it's just me anymore. And if you're a Christian, Paul says that you need to embrace this staggering new identity that's yours. Paul doesn't want us to add Christian to the list of words that describe us in a biography. It's much more definitive than that. You're different now, Paul says. And in this case, it's not holy matrimony, but holy identity. A holy identity with Christ, your life. A set apart in his sphere, raised with Christ. You see, for Christians, the Bible calls us to embrace that new identity. This makes all the difference in what we call sanctification. Think about that married person we've been thinking about. You see, they're going to examine a choice, any choice before them. Um, say, for example, they want to buy a 1,000 euro outfit. Well, they're going to have to think about that choice in the light of their new defining relationship. It's not them anymore. Everything belongs to them and their spouse. And a Christian, united with Christ, will and must have a completely new outlook too. New behaviour. And this is the compelling an empowering union that will redefine the choices we make in life. I want to speak to you if you are a Christian this morning, and I want to ask you to embrace this new union 
take this new status. Understand that you're now with Christ. And here during lockdown, here's something life-defining that you can embrace safely. Not from a distance, but up close. Embrace it. Now, secondly, now having defined Christians with this new status, Paul says, Christians, why don't you reject your old ways of living, verses 5 to 11. Now, this next move in Paul's letter to the Colossians shouldn't really surprise us. At the core of these verses, there are two commands. Have a look at them. Verse 5, put to death, he says. And then if you look down to verse 8, he says, put away. And with each command, he describes five specific things to be dealt with in this radical way of putting to death or putting away. After all, it does make sense, doesn't it? You died, verse 3. Your life is now hidden with Christ in God. So you'll need to literally kill the sin. Put it to death. You'll need to take the ways of life that were typical of your life before a Christian and put them away. Well, what are they? Here's the list. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. And then if you look on, there's also anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk, lies. Christians are called, commanded even in the Bible, to good living. Now, let's be clear. Christians are not to earn their salvation, but rather in response to what God has done for us in Christ, they are commanded here. And believe it or not, in over a thousand different commands in the New Testament alone to live lives that are set apart, that are holy. Now, there's something else I want you to notice about all of this, and it, it really is truly amazing. You see, holy living by killing sin is not just demanded and commanded in the Bible. Because we've been united with Christ, holy living is empowered by our union with Christ. That gives us the resources. We're empowered by Christ. You see, because Christians have that new status, as we've seen verses 1 to 4, being united with Christ puts us in a new relationship with sin too. Sin, after all, the Bible tells us, used to enslave us, Romans 6 verse 6. But you see, sin no longer enslaves the Christian. Yes, there is sin in the Christian life, but it's no longer a slave master. It no longer enslaves us. You see, suddenly we're in a new realm. Suddenly we have access to the Holy Spirit, Romans 8, 11. Suddenly we have power to live, not in sinless perfection, but we have a power that means we don't have to give up on the pursuit of holy living. Sanctification is certainly God's powerful work in us. It's his provision of this union with Christ. It's the Holy Spirit powerfully at work in us in the fight against sin. And our role? Well, it's active participation. We're actively involved. There is an urgent need for effort. There's a need for striving. There's a need for obedience to what the Bible says. Hebrews 12, 14 explains this. And you know, sometimes it's said, just let go and let God. But that is such a warped idea of sanctification. It's not what the Bible teaches. No, the Bible tells us we should 
make every effort, 2 Peter 1.5. And here in Colossians, as Paul explains, that means rejecting the old ways of life. It means killing them. It means putting them away. Verse 7, these are ways that we too once walked in when we were living in them. This was our life before being a Christian. You see, sanctification is God's work. It was started and empowered by him, and one day it'll be completed by him. And Christians, well, they are the responsible participants. They're the ones who get on with putting to death and putting away sin for their whole lives. Christians never sit back. They never just wait on Christ-likeness to suddenly happen. But Christians are energetically, actively fighting against sin. Now, can you see how this understanding is so helpful? If you're struggling with sin today, there's no room to give up. Remember that new identity, that union with Christ? You see, that means that there are powerful resources at your disposal to get back out there onto the battlefield and to fight sin. Don't give up. You see, our commands have been issued in Scripture. Let's let the hard work continue. And if you're feeling defeated, get back in the game today. Get back in the game. You might have overlooked that power at your disposal. Why don't you pray? And as Paul continues in this passage, as if we had time later on, he says, let the word, verse 16, of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Get back in the game. You see, as Christians, we should embrace this new status, this union with Christ. And we need to get active in killing sin, rejecting all the old ways of living. And now thirdly, here's a call for Christians to put on a new outfit. Now, you did hear me rightly. Here's a new outfit for Christians. Look from verse 12 with me. Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all these things, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Well, did you notice the last word here? Harmony. Paul's calling the Christians to adopt a new set of behaviors. He's calling to actions that will totally transform their communities. Harmony. And the striking metaphor he's using here is this idea of putting on, getting clothed with these new ways of life. Again, we have to see that this is not about making a good appearance. It's not cleaning ourselves up so as to impress God and make him love us and save us. But verse 12, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, now united with Christ, Christians are called to behave like it, to look like it, to resemble their Lord, in fact, with a new outfit. And look how it's described in the middle of verse 12. Compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness and patience, bearing with one another, forgiving each other. 
love. You know, there's not one mean-spirited frown in sight here. There's no judgmental gasp of disapproval with an earshot. Not one bitter word. Not a whiff of pride. Sanctification changes people. And it also changes whole communities as people begin to put on this kind of outfit. And makeover after makeover after makeover, all these people who once just looked dreadful learn new ways of interaction, new ways of living. Do you know that coronavirus means new ways of social interaction? We've seen it over these 10 weeks and we will see it in future. Two meters away from each other, social distancing, limited hugs, limited if not any handshakes, a uniform of masks and gloves. Well, you know, the gospel calls for Christians to adopt a new outfit too. An outfit that's designed to enhance our church life. You know, these months in, in Black Rock, we've caught a glimpse of that. And we aren't perfect, but praise God for our growth. Praise God for his work in each of our lives, in our lives as a church. Let's keep dressing like this. And other people you need to bear with, other people you need to forgive. Well, the Bible says we need to put on this forgiveness. Why? Just as the Lord has forgiven you. That's the status of Christians, standing in the light of what Christ has done. Forgiveness, bearing with, kindness. Put on all those other things too. Compassionate hearts, meekness, patience. And you know, it might be summer, but don't forget your coat. You'll always need it. Look at verse 14. What is it? And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. I'll always remember driving north from Chicago one September. We were going on a day trip to the Illinois-Wisconsin border and we went to an orchard. And in that orchard, there were so many different trees, all different varieties. Some of them were old, some of them were fairly recently planted, but all of them, they were laden down with, with apples, beautiful apples. And despite the harsh and cold winters, they were thriving, still growing, still bearing fruit. Well, you know, the Bible calls Christians so rooted in Christ to live good lives, growing, bearing fruit, embracing that new status raised with Christ, united with him, leaving old ways behind, putting on new clothes, and that's sanctification. And if you are a Christian, God has rooted you in Christ and he's empowering you today to bear fruit in Christ. Well, we're going to take time to pray now with the words of this song. And it simply asks, take my life. Lord, take my life and let it be consecrated, set apart, sanctified for thee. Well, let's sing together. <laughs>